Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indie.rr.com. Hey, if you've got your Bibles today, grab them and turn with me. We're going to be in a a few different places, but we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 18 this morning. And I want to preach a message uh, entitled, It's Loaded. It's Loaded. Now, that can mean a few things, um, but I will tell you what it means, what I have in mind. I almost, I was really close. I argued with myself last night, and even this morning I was still debating, do I want to do this? I almost, I own a 9-millimeter handgun. I almost got it out and brought it in this morning. I always like to have, uh, if I can have something in my hand that I can show you, it just helps sermons to stick. So I almost, almost got it out. I was so close to bringing it in and then just didn't feel, I'll be honest with you, what I was afraid I would do is something stupid, like get up here and in the middle of preaching, drop it or throw it at Cheryl and slip out of my hand or something ridiculous (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided I wouldn't do that. But I will tell you this, had I done that, had I brought it to church, before I ever brought it through the doors of the sanctuary or even the doors of the building, I would have made sure, certain, that the clip was empty, that the chamber was empty, and that there was no chance that even if I did drop it or throw it, it was not going to do any damage because that's a pretty big deal. In fact, I would have gone this far with it. Had I brought it into the sanctuary, I would have then, before I begin to preach, I would have had Gary or Mark or somebody in this room that's comfortable with guns come up and themselves check the clip, check the chamber, and maybe even a second person do that. And you think, maybe you think this morning, Pastor Bray, that's a little over the top, a little extreme. And, and I just disagree with you because here's the thing. That gun, any gun, any handgun has got the power of life and death within it. Now, a gun is a tool, right? And we guys and many of you women have tools. We like our tools. Uh, I have hammers. I brought them in a few weeks ago and used them as an illustration. My hammers, I take some care with, but not a lot of care. I've had a few blackened thumbs, blackened nails to show you that when it comes to my hammers, sometimes I don't use the care that I ought to use. I have, sitting in my workshop at home, I have a table saw, and the table saw, I am a lot more careful with the table saw than I am with the hammer. They're all tools. Guns, that that gun, table saw, hammer, they're all tools. But even the table saw, I'm not as careful with the table saw as I am with the gun. Because Now, I'm really careful with the table saw because while it's probably not a matter of life and death, it does depend on whether I have five fingers to preach with next week, right? So I'm really careful with the table saw. But when it comes to the gun, when it comes to a handgun, it, it, I want you to get this this morning. This is the, the, the crux of the sermon. It has got within it the power of life and death. You don't play with tools that have the power and life of life and death behind them. Y'all agree with that? Can you say amen? amen? All right, I just want to make sure you're out there. There's no such thing as too careful. Now, I want to read to you this morning Romans or not Romans, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. This is what it says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. And I fear this morning, folks, that sometimes those of us that would be incredibly careful with a gun because we understand the power of life and death in that gun, sometimes we are not nearly as careful with the words that come out of our mouth because we have missed the reality that just as that handgun carries the power of life and death, so do the words that I let flow out of my being. When there's a power of life and death, there's no such thing as too careful, right? Now, there's a lot of ways this scripture gets interpreted, understood, preached. There's been paperbacks, many paperbacks written about it, and, and that's fine. I'm not going to talk greatly about some of those perspectives. So let's understand this scripture based on scripture. I, I, I've, context matters, and I've said this to this church before. The best way to interpret scripture is with scripture, Right? Best way to understand what God's word says is with God's word. So I, I, I want us to, to look this morning here in just a moment at a few verses around it. Before we do that, let me just talk to you about a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln. You guys ever hear of this guy? Abraham Lincoln. Now, some people don't know, but Abraham Lincoln, his younger years were actually spent here in Indiana, Pigeon, the Pigeon Creek Valley area. South, southern Indiana is where Abraham Lincoln, as a young man, grew up. And there's some stories told about Abraham Lincoln that he did not understand the principle of life and death being in the tongue as a young man because I, I don't, I don't, I obviously never met Abraham Lincoln, didn't know him, but the stories that I've heard about him is this guy would have been a riot on Facebook. Okay, he probably could have had a YouTube channel. He probably could have been a talk show host. I mean, he had he had sarcasm. He had biting wit. He had comebacks. He had deep thoughts. This guy had it going on. He could he could speak and words could flow. And as a young man, one of the things that Abraham Lincoln was known for was just tearing apart those that he didn't like, tearing apart and just skewering those people that were just being stupid or whatever to the point that in, in Indiana as a young man, he didn't have Facebook to fall back on to let his thoughts be known. So he would write them down on papers and pamphlets and cards, and then he would go to the road or the sidewalk or the area where the individual lived or worked or walked, and he would take those cards and he would lay them down where they would then find them. And that was way, his way of getting the message out there. And he did it to, to, to such a degree and, and, and so well that one gentleman in those early years of his life came to hate him so badly that he, he reports later in his life that the relationship was never mended. Now, he, he did not get the power of the tongue, that there's life and death in the tongue. When he left Indiana and moved on into Illinois uh, as, as a little bit older man, and became a lawyer, he still had this issue. He still had this problem. He would still use his biting wit and his sarcasm and his words, and, and he would rip opponents and people that he disliked, and to the point he would put articles in the newspapers. He had progressed from pamphlets on the ground to newspapers as he moved into bigger cities in Illinois. James Shields was one of those men. In 1842, he wrote this just scorching article about James Shields. James Shields. He wrote it anonymously. Didn't think anybody would ever know who wrote it. But Shields found out who did. And he became so angry. And this guy was a jerk. I, I just, this guy was a pompous, 
arrogant, naive. He was just a jerk, okay? It was, what he wrote was not necessarily wrong or inaccurate, I should say. But this guy found out, and he tracked and traced Abraham Lincoln down, and he challenged him to a duel. Now, we think today, okay, I mean, you know, let's be, somebody walks up to me outside the church and says, Pastor Barry, I don't like you anymore. I'm challenging you to a duel. Okay, what are we dueling with, you know? Balloons? I, I mean, it just doesn't happen in our, our culture. But in the moment when Abraham Lincoln was a young man, you didn't walk away from that. It was a matter of honor. It was a matter of your future. It was a matter of your livelihood. It was a matter of whether you were respected or not. And he tried to get out of it, but he couldn't. And he had no choice. He finally hit the point where he said, all right, we will duel. And I choose, he got to choose the weapons. I choose cavalry swords because he had really long arms. And his thinking was, I have really long arms and that's my best chance. And he went so far as to take um, training, fencing training from a West Point graduate to prepare for this. And they found themselves on the banks of the Mississippi River with their swords in their hands, ready to one or the other blood or kill the other one. And at the last moment, their seconds in the duel stepped in and managed to persuade both sides to walk away and resolve it without fighting. And in that moment, Abraham Lincoln learned something. He learned what it meant that there is the power of life and death in the tongue. And the stories told about him from that point on as his life progressed and he, he moved into higher offices and other positions and other responsibilities, he learned that he became, he became the person that very rarely spoke words of criticism about anybody. To the point that once he became president of the United States and the Civil War had broke out, I, I don't know if any of you are Civil War buffs or not, but he had a number of generals, General McClellan, General Pope, General Burnside, General Hooker, General Meade, number of generals that oversaw the Army of the Potomac. General Meade himself in 1863 is the one who led the Battle of Gettysburg. As the Battle of Gettysburg concluded, Robert Lee, General Lee, took the army of the Confederacy, and they began to retreat. And as they retreated, they retreated towards the Potomac River, and, the, and, the st and storm clouds began to roll in, and the, the river's banks began to swell, and, and General Lee found himself with his Confederate army trapped between the banks of the Potomac and the army of General Meade. And Abraham Lincoln realized this. He realized that this is our moment. This is our instant. This is the place where we can end this war. We can bring this to a close. And he sent not only a letter, a telegram to General Meade, but he sent a courier to General Meade with word, for, for word of mouth to tell him, whatever you do, don't call a war council. Don't take time. Don't delay. Take your army. Put them in the field and push them towards the army of, or towards the Potomac, towards the army of the Confederacy. And let us end this thing with no further further bloodshed and loss of life. General Meade did just the opposite. He called for a, a war a conference. He delayed and he postponed and he allowed the river to drop and he allowed General Lee's army to slip across. And Abraham Lincoln, after finding out that this had happened and realizing the consequences of this, he became very, as you can imagine, very angry. And he sat down and he wrote a letter for him at that time in his life, a scathing letter to General Meade. And, and he basically told him that you will be responsible for the deaths that come 
uh, in this war because you allowed our opportunity to slip away. And if you can't beat him under those circumstances, what makes you think you have the capacity to ever beat him with a smaller army across the Potomac and, and just really let General Meade know what he thought? We know the story of President Lincoln's letter because it was found after his death in a stack of letters, personal letters, that had never been sent. And Abraham Lincoln at that moment realized something. At that that point in his life, he had come to realize something that while he may be able to criticize and he may be able to tear apart and he may be able to tear down this general, he had nobody else to replace him with. And all he was going to do was make him an enemy of the president and he was going to set things up to be ugly because he realized there's the power of life and death in the tongue. And he made this statement because... President Lincoln was criticized for not removing Meade at that point, and he said, look, I don't know what he was thinking, and I don't know what he felt like, and I don't know the condition of his army coming out of Gettysburg, and there's a lot of things that I don't know, and I can criticize him, but then again, I wasn't there, and I'm not going to do that, and the power of life and death is in the tongue. You say, Pastor Bray, that's a wonderful story, that's an interesting story, that's a fine story. But what does that have to do with Proverbs 18.21? Because some of you have been taught that Proverbs 18.21 means some completely different things. And so let's look at Proverbs 18.21 in context. Let's go back just a couple verses in that chapter. And this is what the author says. He says, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. And And quarreling is like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. And in your words and how you respond to that person that you have a disagreement with, in your words are the power of life and death. We read the next verse, verse 20. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach or his very being is satisfied. He's satisfied by the yield of his lips. Can Can I ask you guys something? Is there anybody here that likes to win an argument? Don't you? I mean, you know, I mean, you'd have to be weird to say, no, I kind of like to lose, Pastor Barry. <laughs> right? But, but, there, but we, like, we all like those, I mean, you're in an argument, you're in a disagreement, and you come up with that single one-liner. You come up with that single point. We, we, just, we live for those moments where we can put the other person in their place. We can prove them wrong. We, we can change their mind. Or if not that, at least we can make them look foolish. And when we read this, the fruit of a man's mouth, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his being, his stomach, his being is satisfied. We take satisfaction in winning. But sometimes I win the argument and lose the war. Sometimes I win the argument and make an enemy for life. Sometimes I need to stop and realize that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Because the very next word, very next verse The author goes on and says those very words, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And this is what I want you to get this morning. Listen to me. We walk ourselves into situations where we have to respond. We have to speak, and we need to stop and think that what we're carrying is like that handgun. It's like that weapon, because just as the power of life and death are in a gun, the power of life and death are in our mouths. And whether or not we love death or whether or not we love life will depend, will dictate, will drive, will guide how I respond in a moment of anger, jealousy, opportunity to gossip, whatever situation I find myself in. 
Ruthie and I, yesterday, we drove back. We went over and watched Gage's football game in Martinsville, and we drove back through Mooresville. And up in Mooresville, where they've replaced the bridge, we had to detour and come around some things. And we came up on a spot uh, where there's a four-way stop sign at uh, Old 267. And I was driving along, and I had to turn right to head home. And there was a car. I was going to turn right, and there was a car where I was turning right that was getting ready to turn left and uh, across my path. Or, or beside my path, and another guy over here that was going to go straight. So I, I, we all rolled up more or less at the same time. This guy went first. He turned left in, uh, across the, the, the road, and I thought, all right, it's really his turn, but I can slip in there, and I'll get through that stop sign before he can clear the path, and this guy can come. Y'all, I, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. But So he starts to turn left, and I turn right to, to get in there and slip in because, you know, I couldn't wait an extra 10 seconds. I had things to do and places to be. And, and, and as I did, I, I was too slow on the accelerator or he was too fast. Whatever the case, he cleared the intersection really fast and, and before I got through it. And this guy, he come across and he was on my bumper. He was like this. I mean, he was just, he was like right, right there. And I, I'm assuming, he had 10 windows, I don't know, but I, and I'm assuming it was a guy, could have been a woman, I don't know. Uh, not happy. And I thought, all right, whatever. I mean, you know, as a younger man, I probably would have wanted to throw sign language or something stupid like that, uh, pre-Jesus days, right? <laughs> but I'm like, all right, whatever. I, I just kept driving, and he stayed. I mean, he stayed close, and I'm, I'm on old 267. I'm driving all the way in, and people are pulling out in front of me, and I, I mean, I backed off a few times just to keep some safe distance because he was really close, and we come on down past Hummel Park, and I, you know, I'm, I'm watching him in the mirror, and it wasn't that big a deal because I, at this point, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm a long ways from home. The chances of this guy being that guy that follows you home are slim to none. And we roll on into Plainfield, and I'm on Center Street, and we come up to the intersection uh, downtown Plainfield, and I don't have my turn signal on, and the light changes, and just as I get up to the light, I just, all right, I'm gonna turn right and see what happens. So I put my right turn signal on, I turn right, and he comes behind me. I'm like, oh, great. But, you know, we got a lot more turns. So I, I go on through the first stoplight there in Plainfield downtown, go to the second stoplight where I've got to turn back left, which is old 267, or 267 again. And you know what he does? He pulls in right behind me. And I turn left, and he comes right on around behind me. And we roll on, on down 267 Township Line Road, the stoplight there. I stop, and he's still behind me. At one point, he all, I, he all but ran a red light to stay behind me to keep somebody else from slipping in in front of me. And I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be interesting. And so my next stop, my next turn is into my subdivision. My next turn is, is just a, a, a mile up, and I get up there, and I'm like, all right, great. So I'm thinking at this point, because, I mean, he's made a lot of turns, and I'm like, this may be that guy. What am I going to do? What am I going to say to this guy if he decides to roll up right behind me as I pull into my driveway? And I, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you play these scenarios out. Maybe I'm weird like this, but I suspect not. And I'm thinking, all right, there's, my first thought was, I'm, gonna tell, I'm just going to tell the guy, look, man, I made it through the, the, the stop sign, and I don't know what your problem is, and you just need to get on down the road and get out of my business and out of my face. and leave. I mean, that was, that, that was where I, you know, and then I'm thinking, or maybe I could just say, yeah, you're right. It was your turn, because it really was, and I shouldn't have, and uh, look, man, I'm sorry, no big deal, hope it's all good, whatever, but at that point, the power of life and death is in the tongue. I'm going to come out at this guy angry and hot and 
justifying myself, or I'm going to come out at this guy being honest with myself that, okay, what I did probably wasn't the smartest thing, and, okay, yeah, he's being stupid because, I mean, you know, cost me 10 seconds, cost him 10 seconds, because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Do you understand what I'm saying? And too often, those of us that wouldn't do something silly with a handgun, hopefully, just way too quick to let our mouths get away from us and put us in positions that we should never be in. Now, I rolled up on my turn at, into Auburn Meadows and put my left turn light on, and he slipped over into the right lane and just kept right on going. Yeah, that's good. That, that'll teach you. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, all right, good. It's that one. That didn't happen. Thank you, Jesus. It's all good, you know. We read Proverbs, and I, I know people interpret this certain ways, but, you know, when you read Proverbs, you realize exactly what the author's saying because let me just read you a few of these. As you read through Proverbs, you begin to see threads of wisdom in, in, in chapters and themes in chapters. And you go back and read it later, and there's another thread. It's like, wow, that, I see how that all fits. But, so let me just read you a few verses out of Proverbs 17 and 18 that, that show what the author means when he talks about the power of life and death are in the tongue. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Power of death. But Proverbs 17, 27, right there in that same section says, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. The power of life and death are in the tongue. We read Proverbs 18, 8. It says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. You guys know any whisperers? I don't mean horse whisperers. I mean, I, I mean, you know, they, they like to know a story and they like to share the story they know. Now, we, we, we think, you know, it's, it, you just read that on standalone. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner bodies, part of the body. It's like, okay, well, that, what's the big deal about that? But then we read Proverbs 17, 9 that says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And all of a sudden, that moment in time where I hear the story about my brother or sister or a co-worker, or co-church member. I, I hear the story. All of a sudden, I hear the story about them, and I have a choice because the, in, in the tongue is the power of life and death, and I have a choice. I can either choose to repeat that story and choose death, or I can choose to let that story die with me and choose life. Now, look, everybody likes to have a story. Everybody likes to be in the know, and everybody likes to let somebody else know that they're in the know. But that's really not the choice of life. It's the choice of death, isn't it? Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears it, it's his folly and his shame. I'm convinced that Americans in the year 2021 are the most opinionated, polarized group of people that ever walked the face of the earth. Now, I can't prove that, and I'm probably not even right about it because mankind's been pretty messed up forever but it sure feels that way we all got opinions 
And, and it's okay to have an opinion, but the problem is we all got opinions and we're absolutely 100% convinced our opinions are right to the point we don't care to hear the other person's reasoning. And I used this illustration first service and Cheryl's back second service, so I'll use it again. This Cheryl gets on Facebook and she finds some fact, some reality, something out there, and she gets so excited about it. I believe that. I like that. I'm going to stand on that. I'm, this is going to be the hill that I'm going to die on. And that's her opinion. And then, I don't know, who do I want to talk about? Ruthie. Nah, i got to go home with Ruthie. Linda gets on Facebook. Linda gets on Facebook and she finds something that says the exact opposite of what Cheryl says, and Linda reads that and says, that's, that sounds really good. That sounds, I, I like that. I'm gonna, that's my opinion. I'm going to hold to that, and this is going to be the hill that I'm going to die on. And, and you've got two people that are absolutely convinced that they're right, and what they've read is absolutely gospel 100%, and they're willing to die on that hill, but they neither one have taken the time to go and find out what the facts really and you say, Pastor Bray, that's stupid. And I have to agree with you, that's stupid. And I trust and believe neither one of these ladies would ever do that. But, but people do it all the time. Not realizing that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Proverbs 18, 17 says that the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Proverbs 18, 15 says an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seek knowledge. You try... Listen to me, don't tell me what you believe unless you can tell me what the other side also believes. Because until you know what the other side believes, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, until you know what the other side believes and why they believe it, you probably have no business holding a very strong opinion. I don't know about you all, but I've been wrong once or twice in my life. Maybe we ought to practice some humility because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Give thoughts to the words you speak. They may hold death or they may hold life. There's a, this is a uh, Paul Harvey story, <laughs> so, but let me tell it anyway because I want you to see this this morning. It's not just a matter of life and death or just a matter of death that you hold, but it's also the power of life, and I, I want you to get this this morning. This, this, is, this is so important. Paul Harvey tells a story of about a, a gentleman, Stevie Morrison, was a young man, and I don't know how old, I'm assuming maybe preteen even, Stevie Morrison, sitting in a classroom, had a teacher that for the first time in his life spoke some words of life into his world, some words of affirmation into his world, because she went to Stevie and said, Stevie, I need your help. You have incredible hearing, and I need you to help me. There's a mouse that is in this room somewhere. It's gotten loose, and I need you to help me find this mouse. Stevie Morrison tells the story later in life. He says that was the first time anybody had ever spoken words of hope and affirmation and encouragement into my life. And it caused me to realize that I was more than just my blindness. God had actually given me some gifts and some blessings. And he, and he said from that moment on, he said, I worked hard to develop my hearing. And Stevie Morrison went on to be Stevie Wonder because somebody made a choice to speak words of life into him instead of words of criticism and hurt and mockery and sarcasm and anger and hatred. You see, the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
bring this to a close this way. You guys know the skeleton dance song? How many of you know the skeleton dance song? Anybody know the skeleton dance song? Joe does because he was here at first service. <laughs> Nobody knew at first service either. You guys, you guys all know the skeleton dance song. You just don't know it. You want me to sing it for you? <laughs> oh, crazy. It goes like this. I'll, 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 I'll read it to you. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dancing bones. Now you're all shaking your head. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dancing bones, dim bones, dim bones, dim dancing bones doing the skeleton dance. You guys know this, right? Y'all with me? The foot bones connected to the leg bone. The leg bones connected to the knee bone. The knee bones connected to the thigh bone doing the skeleton dance. You guys know this, right? Everybody knows it. I, I, okay, I Googled it. I didn't really know the title either until I Googled it. But here's what I want you to get this morning, okay? If you're struggling with this, if, if this is not bringing words of life to people, and even worse, even, even more serious, if it's bringing words of death, if you're treating your tongue and not treating your tongue like a loaded weapon, then here's what I want you to get this morning. The tongue is absolutely directly connected to the heart. And if you're struggling with the tongue and, and, and speaking words of anger or words of sarcasm or words of hatred or words of jealousy or words of just being derogatory towards people, if you're speaking words of criticism, and from a, what you're really saying is my, your tongue's directly connected to your heart, and if you want to change the tongue, then what you need to do is change You say, I don't know, Pastor Barry. Well, let me read you the words of Jesus. That's always a good way to go, right? You want to win an argument? Read the words of Jesus. You might have a good chance. Matthew 12, he said this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees, obviously, how can you speak good when you are evil? And then he goes on and he says this, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what your heart looks like? Just take some time and look at what comes out of your mouth. We go to James, and I don't have time to do it this morning, and I'm not going to do it, but he, James says, you know, it's, it, you don't have fresh water and salt water coming out of the same mouth. So, so, so don't allow evil to flow out of your mouth and then say that the heart is good because the, the tongue and the heart are directly connected. Jesus goes on in, 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 in chapter 12 and he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by, our, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. I think, folks, sometimes we who would never carry around haphazardly a loaded handgun too often are willing to just kind of let what comes out of here come out and not worry about it or think about it. And I want you to get this this morning. This is just as powerful as that handgun I put on the screen earlier. It's the power of life and death. And you can be a giver of life or you can be a giver of death. Jesus made this statement in Luke 6. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug it deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And here's what I would say to you this morning, folks. I love you and I care about you. And I want your life to be built on solid rock. 
And to do that, you've got to make a choice. I will live my life the way Jesus says. And this morning, that means making the decision, making the choice to be certain that what comes out of this is words of life and not words of death. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm going I'm I'm to be honest with you. I, I, this is not, I hope this isn't discouraging, but it's, it's just honest. You will fail. At times, you will fail. James, and I, I don't have time to go to James, but James says the person who can control his tongue is a perfect man, and I've never met the perfect man or woman yet. So you just, say, just be prepared. There's going to be times where this is going to get away from you. But just because it will get away from me at times is not an excuse or a reason or a justification to just not worry about it and open my mouth and let fly. What it ought to mean to me is, God, help me control this, my heart. Help me keep it healthy. Help me keep it tender. Help me keep it close to you. Help me read your word. Help me worship you. Help me talk with you. Help me spend time with you. Help me let the Holy Spirit work on this heart because what happens in this heart will dictate what comes out of this mouth. You will fail. But thank God in those moments where we do, we still have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ. What's the condition of your heart this morning? Why don't you stand with me for just a moment? If you're out there on our feet this morning, I, I, I want to ask you as well, what is the condition of your heart? You say, Pastor Barry, I, maybe I'm not sure. Well, the best way to be sure is what's coming out of your mouth. I would ask you this morning, are you a giver of life or a giver of death? I hope life. And, and maybe you're kind of in that neutral spot. Maybe, maybe you're a person who is not negative and not critical, and you, you, you work hard to control the, the, the derogatory comments or the sarcasm, but you've never really taken the step from choosing to not be a source of death. You've never quite taken that next step in becoming a source of life, being an encourager. I want you to know this this morning. You have got the power of life in your mouth, in your heart. You can change the direction and the course of a person's life by the words you put out to them. Right? God, help us be, especially as followers of Christ, help us be people who give life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes for just a moment on the feet as well. If you would, just be private wherever you may be. And I'm going to ask you this morning, are you standing here? And you'd say, Pastor Barry, I need help with this. I, I, the word, I, I, I struggle with this, what comes out of my mouth. I need God's help. And if you are in that position this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you right where you're standing, in your home where you may be. I'm going to pray over you. If you're here this morning and that's you, would you put your hand up for just a moment and then right back down just so I can, I can see it? Thank you. I see several hands, maybe some on our feet as well. Let me pray with you because I believe this morning, God, this message is for somebody in this place. God gave it to me for somebody, several somebodies, that he will make you and develop you and grow you into a giver of life. Father, I pray this morning, I pray this morning over every heart, every individual whose hand went up in the air in this sanctuary, on this Facebook feed. I pray over them this morning. 
I pray, God, that you would take these stories and illustrations and scriptures, and I pray, God, you would bury them deep inside their mind and their soul today, and they would remember them, not because I spoke them, but because the Holy Spirit has ordained this as a day where they begin to give life. And I pray this morning, God, work within them. Work within their personality. Work within their heart. Work within their mind. Work with them with patience, God, to begin to think about what they're going to say before it flows. Let them see their words as a tool, as a, as a tool that gives life or gives death, just as does a gun. Father, I ask you to bless them and to strengthen them and to turn them into givers of life in their family, in the workplace, God, in their marriage, with their children, Lord, with their neighbors. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to do this morning those things that only you can do within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Appreciate you. Have an awesome week. Those of you on our feet, thank you so much for joining us today. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.